the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Arthur Idala at 605 in New York City. I'm sitting at my desk and it has got many more papers on it uh, than I would prefer. But that's okay. Um, you know, they say when you have your own business, what, no matter what the business is, you either have time or money. You very rarely have both. Although I will tell you, when you do criminal law work the way I personally do, although Imran and others here do civil work, just to give you a little inside scoop before we get to the news of the day, the criminal attorneys typically get their money up front because some of these People are unsavory characters, and you don't know where they're going to go. You don't know where they're going to wind up. So um, you want to get as much money up front. So sometimes you get paid in March, and there's not much work to be done until November. And then November, you're working your tail off, and that money was already spent in March. Um, so there are times when you don't have time because you're working on a case, but you don't have money because you already spent the money <laughs> back months ago. Um, but uh, I am not complaining about the work that we have. It's going to be... A solo day. Um, we were going to have Joey Jackson on today, but we're going to talk in a moment about this Murdoch trial. Um, but I just want to tell you who's here with us today. Um, and it's only me and Alex. What's up, Alex? Good evening, Arthur. How are you doing tonight, <laughs> sir? I'm good. I'm good. I don't, Alex, I don't like when I have unfinished symphonies. In other words, Look, there are always cases that could use a little bit more work, a little bit more time, a little bit more effort. But, like, there's a lot going on here. Um, so I'm a little, like, I'm a little stressed out. And I'm running out of here uh, to go to the Grand Central Terminal has their, I forget what it's called. It's like Grand Central Eats, um, where uh, all of the, uh, not all of, but many of the local restaurants um, have a... Um, uh, they put out a, a table with their, they show off whatever food they have. Fred Cerullo, who's been on the show, he's the president of the Grand Central Partnership. He's the host. Uh, I know I'm going to see uh, many familiar faces there, so I'm looking forward. When I leave here, I'm going to run right over there. Then Uncle Geraldo's in town, so he called me. He wants to have a drink. Now, I'm supposed to not be drinking because of this whole Lent thing. I'll see whether I could get by with a seltzer, but he may, like, give me a hard time. So... You know, I just have so much energy. Maybe to, a little wine. How about that? that yeah, there's just to you, or even something even lighter than that. Like I'll, I'll get like a glass of sparkling wine. Can you have a prosecco? Um, you know, that's not really going to alter my universe. 
you know, there's just so many battles you could fight in life. And <clears throat> haggling with my friends about whether I'm drinking or not. You know, you may say, oh, Arthur, you have a weak constitution. Well, you know, whatever. I, I'm always fighting for everyone else. I, I, when it comes to, like, fighting for myself, I get a little tired. Um, speaking of fighting, um, I was interviewed today um, by, I think it was five people via Zoom, to become a member of the Columbus Citizens Foundation. Now, many of you know and are familiar with the Columbus Citizens Foundation because of um, they advertise on, on AM 970 and specifically on our show at uh, on usually during the month of October. And my parents have been longstanding members of the Columbus Citizens Foundation, which is the organization that not only uh, hosts and organizes and runs the Columbus Day Parade, but also um, raises money for scholarships, and uh, it represents the best in the Italian American community. The um, uh, the per so I so I put in my application. You know, my parents have been long members for a long time, but it's time for me to grow up and not like just sign my dad's name on the check anymore. Plus, I want to be a little bit more involved. <clears throat> and one of the women who was in who were interviewing me said, you know. It see I see on your application, um, you wrote, well, you know, I enjoy fighting for Italian-American causes. She's like, is fighting the right word? And I said, sometimes it is. I said, when I stood in front of Columbus Circle, um, basically, you know, making a pretty powerful speech about uh, not erasing Columbus, not canceling a 500-plus-year-old uh, explorer, um, when I spoke up on behalf of uh, the, you know the um, the square right in front of the courthouse in Brooklyn is also a Columbus Square and there's a Columbus statue there. Uh, I said, yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes we do have to fight. And then I said, you know, I'm if I'm accepted into the organization, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say I got a pretty good shot of getting into the Columbus Citizens Foundation. One of the things I want to do immediately is I don't know if y'all saw the um, the cover of the New York Post. I believe it was Tuesday where they said, okay, where there's a, a someone from upstate New York, a senator, is going to try to pass a bill to take Mario Cuomo's name off of the Tappan Zee Bridge. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Mario Cuomo was the governor of the state of New York for 12 years, three terms. He was lieutenant governor before that. He represents the best in immigrant stories, right? His parents owned a grocery store in Queens and he, they were very uneducated and he rose up to be, um, a, he gave the huge speech in 1984 at the convention, even though everyone knew Walter Mondale was going to get crushed as he did by um, Ronald Reagan. But the speech that Mario Cuomo gave is amongst the most memorable, if not the most memorable, for a positive way. A few years later, Bill Clinton gave the speech before he was president, and it was this long-winded, droning speech, and that goes in in, in history as being the worst speeches of all time. Uh, actually, if you go into the court officers' union at 321 Broadway, where Dennis Quirk, the longest-serving union leader in the city of New York, um, that has his offices, he has Mario Cuomo's um, speech in uh, a huge poster on the wall. And if you sit there and read it, because it's not very long, 
It is absolutely excellent about America and America's dream and all of that stuff. It's wonderful. So one of the things that, that I spoke about to the people who were interviewing me to see whether I was fit to be a member of the Columbus Citizens Foundation is if you, carry can have a tunnel, Ed Koch can have a bridge, David Dinkins can have a building, why shouldn't Mario Cuomo have a bridge? Again, and, and I, I would feel, and he's a Democrat, I would feel the same exact thing about George Pataki. George Pataki served honorably, uh, you know, between Cuomo and uh, uh, Mario Cuomo and George Pataki. I don't remember any outstanding, salacious scandals, you know, unlike uh, Elliot Spitzer, unlike uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, obviously. David Patterson was not a governor for very long, although he's a very nice man. He decided not to run again because I think the handwriting was on the wall. But I said, as Italian-Americans, we should stand up because men like Mario Cuomo, who were making a name for themselves in the late 70s and early 80s, for young Italian-American folks, um, they were, he, he on the Democratic side and Justice Scalia on the Republican side, you know, they were the buckets of water thrown on the flames of the Vinnie Barbarinos from Welcome Back, Carter, of, even though it's a great movie, the Rocky Balboas, um, and let's face it, the John Gottis and the Paul Castellanos. They were two people, and Geraldine Ferrara in 1984, she was the first woman to run for any na- national office, and she was the vice president to Walter Mondo, I mean, vice, vice president nominee. Uh, you know, those people change the trajectory of uh, the Italian-American image. And to think that I'm exaggerating that, to show that I'm not, Bill Clinton is caught on tape uh, when he was running for president talking to, was it Jennifer Flowers? Saying, no one is going to elect a guy named Mario president of the United States. So um, my day started off actually meeting clients in my Brooklyn office. Um, on a case that I, I would like to get retained on because it's about a young man who I really want to help in Brooklyn and who came in and bragging about what a great school teacher my mother was. And his sister said the same thing. My mother taught both the brother and the sister. They're now in their 30s. Um, and uh, then I had this interview and then I came into the office and, and more stuff happened. So you want to hear about the law? Well, we're going to talk about this Murdoch case in South Carolina and what a lawyer has to go through in deciding whether he puts his client or her client on the stand. Don't go anyway. We're going to do some law today on the Idola Power. I'm all alone. I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Annuity guarantees rely on the financial strength of the issuing insurer. If you're over 50 and thinking about retirement, it's vital that you have a protected income flow you can rely on. Not so easy these days. That's why you need the book that could help protect your retirement future. The book, Guarantee Your Retirement from financial leader JDM Financial, takes all the mystery out of ways an annuity strategy can help safeguard your retirement with their step-by-step method for boosting your retirement income as much as 40%. And today, 
today. The book is yours free. Ready to help recession-proof your retirement? This free book can be a roadmap to helping you avoid the uncertainties of the economy that could make your retirement dreams fade. Don't risk losing some of what you've worked a lifetime for. For your free copy of Guarantee Your Retirement from JDM Financial, call now. Call 800-337-8051. That's 800-337-8051. So I was lucky to get a really good night's sleep last night. Um, I don't, I, I, I was a little sad when I woke up, but, um, Marianne and my two children, uh, my two little children are away. Lucas is going away. So I was home all alone. Um, so there was no noise in the house. So I really slept well and I feel great today. Well, do you, you know, when you feel great, that is the opportunity to call Connors and Sullivan. Don't wait until there's a problem. You know, go with the Boy Scouts motto, always be prepared. When you're healthy, you think you don't need a power of attorney. I don't need a healthcare proxy. You think you can worry about that when we're older or become sick. And you know what? Nothing can be further from the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. And what happens then? Then the states and the courts, and it's just a mess. They all get involved. They make decisions for you. So don't hesitate. Call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They've been doing this for 40 years. They know their stuff. They will create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy for you as soon as possible. But do it now when you're healthy and you have nothing to worry about. Just put it on your to-do list. They will help you make a plan that protects you best when you designate who you want to make these decisions for you. So a free for a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We are Rapid Pulse, and this is called Trusting. Go, Kenny. Wow. Pleasant surprise. Hello. So it's interesting, Alex, that you're playing this song. That's the name. That, that's Rapid Pulse, and the name of that song is Trusting. And it has to do with a boy and a girl and whether you trust each other. But let me talk about the, the attorney-client relationship and trusting. Trusting someone. So um, I, after I was in the car being interviewed by uh, the Columbus Citizens Foundation, and I was heading into the office. And I was heading in, and I got a call from Inside Edition, which I believe comes on Channel 2 in a couple of minutes, um, to see if I could uh, comment on this Murdoch case. And for those of you who don't know, it's a case going on in South Carolina. Uh, The defendant is, uh, was he, his father, his grandfather, were very prestigious lawyers and judges in the area of South Carolina, where they've all lived. Um, His son uh, was involved in a boat accident that killed a young woman. The son was never charged with homicide. He definitely would have been charged with a homicide here in New York. Um, The father, who the defendant, gets caught stealing millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars from his law firm. The day that he gets caught, that night his son, uh, the one who was in the boat accident, and his wife 
are both found killed with massive gunshot wounds. His son's head is blown off. It's a very graphic, uh, horrible, horrible scene. Um, the, initially, he doesn't get charged. Within a few days, his father dies. The defendant's father dies. So that basically the deceased grandson and grandpa die a few days apart. And then uh, apparently the defendant hired someone to try to, to kill him so that his other son would get some insurance benefits. But the guy missed and didn't kill him. So now the defendant is on trial. And here's the trust between the lawyer and the client. When you're on trial, well, let's even go back, okay? Let's go back to like this morning where I'm, I'm speaking to someone in my office who's charged with a very serious crime in Brooklyn, New York. And he's interviewing different lawyers and figuring out which which way he's going to go because it's, it's his life, right? I mean, if God forbid you come back and your PSA is high and you have to have a prostate operation or, or much worse than that, and your white blood cell count is off and you have some form of cancer, usually you don't just go to one place, right? You go to two or three doctors. You go to Mount Sinai, you go to Cornell, you go to Columbia, you go to, um, what's the big one? Whatever, you know, the, the, the cancer hospital. Um, Sandy anyway, Kettering? Thank you very much, Alex. That's why you're there, just to be handsome. Um, so I meant to say, Alex, you're not just like a pretty face. You're also got that big brain on the on the. Do uh, you, you agree with that, Alex? I mean, I could talk all day with you, Arthur. I know, I know, I know. Thank you. So, um, you know, I basically, and it, it, this is actually in my written retainer agreement, that the attorney will determine the strategy of the case. Um, now, that only goes so far, and one, and one, but there's got to be a mutual trust. I mean, what I told the person is, I said, forget about money, forget about everything else. When you put your head on the pillow at night, you have to feel that my life is in the right hands. It is someone who is capable, experienced, ethical, and maybe most importantly, has my best interest at heart. And that's the foundation of trust. The one area regarding strategy where the defendant makes the ultimate decision is whether to testify or not. Now, it is no secret that Harvey Weinstein, who was sentenced today in Los Angeles to 16 years, which sounds like a walk in the park after... 23 years here in New York. But as we all know now, that the New York case is, is, is up for appeal to the highest state, the highest court in the state of New York. Harvey Weinstein wanted desperately to testify. Desperately to testify. His whole case was a he said, she said. It was not a it didn't happen case. It was not a who did it case. It was like, yeah, it happened, but it was all consensual. So the only way, you know, besides artful cross-examination, which, you know, uh, Donner and Damon, who did most of the, the cross-examining of the uh, the complainants, I mean, they, they did a very good job. But jurors, I think, naturally and instinctively, they want to hear well, what is the you know. So he said, she said. Well, we heard what she said. What did he say? But in the Harvey Weinstein case, the judge's rulings about what would be able to be brought out regarding prior bad acts were so beyond normal, like way, way, way beyond normal, that it prohibited him, prohibited him from testifying. 
Um, and that was our advice, and he took our advice. Um, now, you say, well, you know, you gave the wrong advice. And it's, it's funny. I mentioned this on Inside Edition. They're like, well, is it a good idea or a bad idea that Murdoch testifies? I think you don't know until there's a verdict. There are times when I've done things which I thought I thought were brilliant, and the jurors afterwards, and I, I, I always try to speak to the jury because I always try to learn something from them. The jurors are like, yeah, well, no, we really didn't believe him. I'm like, wow, you didn't believe him? I thought he was the most credible. And then there are other times when I'm like, oh, my God, this guy was horrible. And they're like, yeah, that one witness, he won the case for you guys. Uh, so you don't know what's a good decision or a bad decision. Let's, let's face it. Jury trials and elections are very similar. What really ultimately matters is the outcome for the individual. Right. I mean, everyone talks, oh, Lee Zeldin ran a great race here. He ran a great race. Yes, he did run run a great race, but he's not the governor. You know, Arthur Idala tried a great case. Arthur Idala tried a great case. Yeah. But Harvey Weinstein's in prison. So ultimately, you know, it is a an end game. Like, what is the result? You know, you could say um, whatever pitcher you want to I mean, you know, Mariano Rivera, he pitched a great game. But in game seven of the 2001 World Series, he gave up a blooper that made them lose the World Series. So, yeah, he pitched a great game, but they ultimately lost the World Series. So, uh, you know, when it comes to a defendant testifying in the Harvey case, and the reason why I bring that up is that there's a, a tremendous similarity here. Harvey's judge said, I think it was 28, either 28 or 29 prior bad acts were going to be able to be brought up by the prosecutor. So what you have to do as the defense attorney, if you're going to put Harvey on the stand, you want to pick those off one at a time to deflate their balloon, like allow him during direct examination to explain them. But none of them were crimes. None of them were arrests. None of them were convictions. And yet he still didn't testify. Now, he, Harvey was acquitted of a bunch of the counts. He was only convicted of two. However, then those were up on appeal. Now, let's talk about Murdoch. He is indicted on other cases currently that he is not on trial with. And the judge in this case, in this murder case, this gruesome murder case in South uh, Carolina has allowed the prosecutor to talk, not talk, cross-examine the defendant on the stand about all of these other crimes that he's not convicted of, but he's charged with. And uh, it, it it's... Devastating. I, I I did watch a bunch of it today while I was trying to get some work done. It was distracting, but you know I always learn. I learn from watching other lawyers' do's and don'ts. Um, he uh, on direct examination. You know I was te- texting with one of my friends who's been home watching a lot of the trial, and they said, "Listen, when they talked about him finding his son, finding his wife, you know he broke down crying, but you don't really see any water coming out of his eyes. You see he was b- blowing his nose a little bit." Um, I didn't see that. That's when I was in the cab coming from Brooklyn to New York. But he said, I didn't find it to be very believable. Uh, And then they talk about a lot of his immediate reactions after finding. I mean, he found his son with his basically his head blown off and how he handled that. Um, There were also so many lies that he admitted to it in direct testimony that he lied to the police about whether he was there at the time. And what I spoke to about on television today was there's a saying we use in the world of trial lawyers, and I used to use it as a prosecutor when a defendant would testify. You have to admit what you can't deny. So there's a tape where you hear the defendant's voice at the location 
of the house where the bodies were found shortly thereafter. And when and he initially originally denied being there. So now he has to admit what he can't deny because his voice is on tape. But then he has to deny what he can't admit. So he can't admit that he had the gun. He can't admit that he shot them. So you know, he walked this fine line on direct regarding where he was and what he did, what he saw, what his reaction was. But then on cross-examination, which is still going on, it'll be on tomorrow. I mean, CNN and Fox were running this thing live all day. I'm not just pulling a, a, a case out of the air. I mean, this was national news today. Today on cross, they haven't even gotten to the actual scene, the crime scene. They're still talking about all of the crimes that he's charged with. Talking about uh, you stole, you, you settled this case for a young girl who was a paraplegic. And yet, instead of giving them the money, you kept it yourself. Isn't that true? Yes. And you settled another case of a young person who died and you got all this money. And you, and you took the money and you kept it for yourself. You lied to them. You told them you lost the case. I mean, so all they're doing right now is just dirtying him up. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the attorney-client relationship when it breaks down a little bit and how the lawyer today in South Carolina handled it, which I'm not a fan of. Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this. And then there's a death penalty, a death penalty case going on in the Southern District of New York regarding the West Side uh, guy, the terrorist. So there's a lot going on in the law. I'm glad I'm here all alone with me and Alex and, and you. I hope you're not sending too much traffic. We'll be right back. Join me tonight at 7 o'clock. It's legal night. That means Imran Ansari and Kevin McCullough will sit down live to discuss today's biggest legal stories. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Radio Night Live. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg speaks with Sean O'Brien, general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, about his continuing fight for the rights of the nearly 1.3 million members. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 on AM 970, The Answer. Want more of AM970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. So let's talk about our family at Plaza College. You know I've been talking about the world of court reporting, and if you want to be a court reporter and be that, like, integral part of the legal field, we have a solution for you. We have a solution. You don't have to go to law school. You can go to the Plaza College Court Reporting School. And you know what's so cool when you're a court reporter? Depending on what job you take, you could figure out where you work, for whom, and how frequently. In other words, if you're a freelance worker and it's your birthday and you don't want to work, you just turn down the job. If it's your kid's communion, you just turn down the job. Now, obviously, if you work in the DA's office for the courts, it's a little different. But you can make that decision. Court reporters and captioners are in higher demand than ever before. Court systems, schools, and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free 
two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A2Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. Suffering an injury in an accident can be a life-changing experience. Whether you've been involved in a car accident, a construction site accident, a slip and fall, or injured because of someone else's negligence, we can help. Our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you are owed. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you have been injured because of someone else's negligence, you have legal rights and may be entitled to significant money to compensate you for your pain and suffering. Hiring the right attorney is important. The combined experience of the lawyers at Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins will be able to lead you through the personal injury lawsuit process and aggressively fight for the best result. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call 212-486-0011. 212 0011 or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Cammons fighting for justice, fighting for you. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with lifetime New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala making the case for the city he loves. Here's Arthur. Alex, tell me why we're listening to uh, Santana. Well, eight, uh, 23 years ago tonight, uh, he won eight Grammys, tying Michael Jackson's Grammy record. I, I didn't remember that night, but uh, researching that was kind of fun. I do love Santana music, but yes. He's some guitarist, I will tell oh. you, that's the true. And um, Eminem's this album, Slim Shady, the big one, the That's LP. right, it dropped uh, 1999 tonight, uh, on this day, so... And Dire Straits in 1979, and they're one of my favorites, began their first North American tour with a show at the Paradise Theater in Boston. That's, Alex, just to let you know, that that's the only time, the only band, I should say, that made me shed a tear <clears throat> was when Dire Straits played Sultans of Swing at Jones Beach Theater. I mentioned this before. I was there with Glenn, his father, Tag, and Peter Thomas, that's how good it was. And one more thing, Alex, you sent my way. You know, I always get these things from you guys, the national holidays and special days. Now, you don't have to answer this now, but at the beginning of the next segment, can you tell me, it says on your list, today is Pinocchio Day. So could you just, like, look that up and see what Pinocchio Day is all about? And I'm going to get back to talking about the law. All right. So let me tell you about um, one of the hardest decisions sometimes. Sometimes it's a hard decision. Other times it's not a hard decision whether to put your client on the stand. So defendant Murdoch testified today. And I'm, and this is why I do not like cameras in the courtroom. So I think, and this is a guess, but it's a somewhat educated guess. Before testimony began today, in front of the judge on television, the lead defense attorney said, my, Your Honor, we are going to call our client, the defendant, Mr. Murdoch, against my counsel. I forget what his exact words were. But I advise him not to testify, but he's insisting on testifying. 
That ain't cool in my book. It's a little Brooklyn for, I don't like that. <clears throat> that ain't cool. Um, what I would do, <clears throat> I can't say I've ever done it because I've never had a, a client not heed my advice. I've had them not heed my advice on pleas and taking pleas, and I do the same thing. I just handwrite a note out with the date on it. Dear Mr. Murdoch, as your lawyer, which I have been for the last nine months, two years, whatever it is, having sat as lead trial at your counsel, sitting having heard all the evidence or the lack thereof, it is my professional advice that you do not testify at this trial. However, you are choosing to take the stand in your own defense, period, and I sign it and I have him sign it. Now, <clears throat> there's two things here. There's one thing if, if someone, which I think is the case here, Murdoch, wants to go up there and, and I want to tell my story. It's another thing if you know that the client is going to go up there and lie. If you know the client is going to go up there and lie, the best you could do as a defense attorney and the judge and the prosecutor will figure it out immediately is you put your client on the stand and you say, good afternoon, Mr. Mr. John Doe. Good afternoon. Uh, is, would you like to uh, make a statement to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury? Yes, I would. <clears throat> and basically... You just allow him or her to give their statement without any help, without any, uh, you know, Q&A. And when they're done, you just say, okay, is that your statement? Yes. Are you finished? Yes. Thank you, Ron. I have no further questions. And you sit down. So basically, you have not participated in what you know is perjury. Um, and then it's up to the prosecutor to fillet that person. So that's that's one thing. But if you just think the client is getting up there to testify um, because they want to tell their story, even if you think uh, it's against their best interest, they make that ultimate decision. And look, they, there's, this is being a lawyer is not a science. Okay, it is not two plus two equals four, four plus four equals eight. That's it is an art, and there are things that you know I could do that are that I think are right and they're wrong. Uh, and you can say that about any single lawyer. So sometimes a client may be right to, to go up and testify. And, and when I was thinking about it today, and don't forget this defendant here, Murdoch, he's a trial lawyer. <clears throat> so he knows how juries think, or he should. If I'm a juror and someone I'm judging is accused of blowing away their wife and their kid, wouldn't you expect them to tell you there's no way that I did that? You know, we represent Alan Dershowitz regarding this this claim that has now been known to be a, quote, may have made a mistake claim uh, about having sex with a, <clears throat> with a woman re regarding Jeffrey Epstein. We couldn't shut him up. As much as we begged Alan, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. This is in 2015, 2016. I go, Alan, if you stop talking about it, everyone's going to forget about it. I'm not going to stop talking about it. Even when I'm dead, I want my family to talk about it. I did not do this. 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 Now, when he's not on trial, <clears throat> he was never charged with anything. He was just, it was mentioned in a footnote. But if you are a defendant and you're accused of killing your wife and your child, wouldn't you want to tell the people judging you that you didn't do it? Especially if you didn't do it. 
Now, if you did do it, and you're going to play the law game and say, look, they have the burden of proof. They have to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. And in this case, there is no smoking gun. Yes, there are a couple of little facts, but there's no video. There's no audio. There's no strong DNA. And, and, and the stuff that they have, there are excuses for everything. Oh, well, there's gunpowder here. The guy had gun, guns all over the house. There's blood on his clothes, a little bit of blood on his clothes. Well, he picked up the bodies. He was, he was around blood. So when, they're not saying he wasn't. So there are answers to all of these questions. As the lead attorney, would I stand up and say I'm in open court and saying I'm advising him not to do this? No, I would not do that. I would put that file in the folder. This attorney is probably, and I'm not really blaming him. He's like, look, I got millions of people watching. I don't want that. And I know he's going to go down in a bowl of flames because he's going to be asked all of these all these questions about crimes. He's not he's not charged. He's not charged with in this trial, but he's charged with in other trials. So and and the defense attorney's correct. By the way, the lead defense attorney did not do the questioning. The second chair did the questioning. Um, for me, the easiest case to put a defendant on the stand was Bridget Harris. She was the young woman who was accused of killing her father. And in fact, she did kill her father. Not intentionally. She dismembered him, his private part, and he was screaming and she gagged him and he choked on the rag. Her and but we were able to show she did research to show if you dismember someone in that particular place, you would not die. Your blood coagulates, etc. But she didn't think about it. if you put a gag a, a gag in his mouth and he's handcuffed and it would choke him. But she had to take the stand and tell her story for a whole day, and that's how we achieved the the result of basically jury nullification, and she was not guilt found not guilty of all of the serious charges. That was a relatively easy decision to put her on. It, we had to prep the heck out of her because she's not a public speaker. And for her to go in front of all of these people and start, uh, Alex, give me another minute. For her to go in front of all of these people and start uh, telling her life story. I was three years old and I was in bed about to fall asleep. And the door opened and my dad walked in. And I thought he was going to tuck me in. But instead, he exposed himself and did X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to say it on the radio, but I did say it to the jury, and she said it to the jury. And that's why when they heard Bridget's story, they didn't care about what happened to him or what she did because she was treated so harshly. So that was an easy case to put someone on the stand. I knew from the beginning. I, I said it in my opening statement, which is like a almost, you never do that. You never commit to your defendant testifying in an opening statement. But I did. I said, you're going to hear from Bridget, and you're going to hear this, and you're going to hear this horrible act at three years old, at five years old, at nine years old, at 11 years old, at 12 years old, at 18 years old. When she finally ran away, he took her to Liberia. And so in the opening, you, you put that in the juror's mind, and then she takes the stand, and she it took me a while to get it out of her, but she got it out. And she convinced those jurors that she did what she thought she needed to do at the time she did it. The hardest one was Billy Rapetti. That was the crane that fell in the city of New York. And John Esposito and I, we did a bench trial, so there was no jury. We, we picked the bench trial for two reasons. Number one, most importantly, we were in front of a judge who was very experienced and very fair, but not, you know, he was not a guy who you're going to pull the wool over his eyes or any, put up any smoke screens. But John and I, after doing our homework, realized this guy didn't do anything wrong. Um, that was one reason. Number two, it was going to be very complicated, very technical <clears throat> Excuse me, evidence. And you don't know which juries you're going to get that are going to understand the, the physics of a, of, a, of a crane going up and who did things the right way and the wrong way.
And the third factor was the case was going to be held in June and July. And I'm like, these jurors are going to be in this unair-conditioned courtroom here in uh, 111 Center Street. They're not going to be paying attention to all of this. And sure enough, we hit a heat wave. And I remember the judge telling me, Arthur, you know, feel free to take your jacket off. And um, I was like, as soon as you take your robe off, judge, I'll take my jacket off. And, and he laughed, and he knew my dad for 100 years. And I, off the record, I said, if Louie walked in here right now and he saw me standing before Your Honor without my coat, my jacket, or my suit jacket, I go, he'd kill me. And he laughed, whatever. But John and I were tormented. We cross-examined all of these experts about cranes, about the collars of the cranes, about the straps that go on the cranes. They were experts on the prosecutor's side I cross-examined, experts on our side we put on the, on the, on the stand. Um, and they were like, do we need Billy? Do we need Billy? Do we need Billy? Do we need Billy? And ultimately, you know, I don't remember. I'll have to go inside and ask John. I don't remember who made the ultimate decision of him not testifying. I mean, ultimately, it's Billy. Billy Repetti, the defendant. But he never testified. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, was I a nervous wreck uh, when that, that, that verdict came in. Um, and so it was the right decision, right? So we got a great, this, we got a great result on Bridget. So it was the right decision for her to testify. I mean... That was the kind of the only decision in that case. But then we got a great result on Billy. And, you know, he, he didn't testify. But then there are other cases I could name where the client didn't testify. And, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted. One being Harvey Weinstein. But Harvey was, was handcuffed by the judge's ruling. But there's been other homicides that I've tried where I get, the defendant didn't testify and I didn't get a result. There's others that they didn't and I did. It's a very tough decision to make. But here... In this uh, nationally uh, televised uh, trial, um, they, the defendant himself, clearly we know he made the decision. His lawyer went on national television and said, he's doing this outside of my counsel. And we could end where we began with the Rapid Pulse song, Trusting. You know, they say a lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. And we know this defendant is a lawyer, and it seems here... He represented himself, not listening to his lawyer's counsel. We have one more segment to go. We will. This has flown by for me. I got a little nervous. I was like, oh, Joey's not here. We don't have a guest. Joni's texting me. I can get you 10 guests. Don't worry. No, Joan, I can handle it. You go. You take care of your mother. Take care of that little dog, the little terrorist. And tell your dad. I love uh, Luna. Come on. Tell your dad, Joni, that I will look into these canine dogs and shoplifting cases. Uh, and we can address it tomorrow before or after Padre lose libation. I'm going to go inside and tech, check on Diana, who's working diligently on the Ghislaine Maxwell appeal. We'll take a quick break, and Alex and I will be right back. Welcome to Invite Health President's Day Sale. The sale is on now. Buy two bottles of any Invite Health product and receive 40% off retail. That's buy two bottles, get 40% off retail. Here's the number and write it down because you can speak with an Invite nutritionist seven days a week. 800-673-2345. That number for Invite, 800-673-2345. Listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com. Download the Invite Health 
app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Visit invitehealth.com for our retail locations and to set up a free nutritional consultation in person, by phone, or by video. Take advantage of Invite's limited time, 40% off President's Day sale. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. Invite Health. Get healthy, stay healthy. America is giving away its inventions and technology to China. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. The shocking new movie, Innovation Race, exposes the potential Chinese takeover of 5G and the Internet, threatening America's economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. Watch the movie, Innovation Race, now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, in the morning, Joe Piscopo has so much energy and his show is so informative. Uh, I was lucky to be on this past Monday. Well, you know, he loves the AM970 family so much that he has partnered up with Steve Perillo, the legendary Steve Perillo, and they've put together a special intimate trip to Rome and Sicily for the AM970 family. How does this sound? Rome, three nights, including a special intimate performance by Joe Piscopo. And I will tell you, I've been there. It's so much fun. Then you fly directly to Sicily, visiting Catania, Taromina, Palermo. See the medieval towns like Savoca, Forza de Argo in Messina. Now, why did they pick those towns? Those are some of the towns where the Godfather or Godfather 2 was shot. You can't leave Sicily until you have a wine tasting in the shadow of Mount Etna. You'll do that as well. And then on to Palermo for three nights. And there's so many beautiful towns right around Palermo. It's nine nights in all. The tour dates are October 18th to 28th. Be a part of this special event called Perillo Tours at 1-800-431-1515. That's 1-800-431-1515. Or visit perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM970, The Answer. How you feeling? How you feeling? How you feeling? How you feeling? Why are we hot, Alex? Tell me why we're hot. It's National Chili Day, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, do you like the chili hot? Do you like it mild? I I don't know. I like my mild. How about you, Arthur? Well, I read this whole article, uh... I get two articles mixed up. One had to do with like cholesterol and having a healthy heart. And the other one had to do with a study of people who live to be 100 years old. And they studied four places. One was in Costa Rica. One was in Greece. One was in Sardinia. And one I want to say was in Okinawa in Japan. And it was hard to weave together the similarities between all these four different places where people lived over to be over 100. I believe one similarity in Greece it was either Greece and Sardinia or or Costa Rica and Sardinia where there was a little bit of vino involved. But there was another place where there was no alcohol whatsoever. Um, but I remember in one of these two articles where there was heart health and living to 100, Alex Fiber was a big piece of the puzzle. Beans and nuts. Uh, have a cup of beans every day, some kind of a bean. So the other day, on Tuesday, I was in Hunter Mountain, oh, whatever the other one, Windham Mountain with Luca. And at lunch, I got a thing of chili. I did not get the hot chili. Um, and I didn't even get any protein. I just got a, like a bowl of chili, but there's a lot of beans in there. Um, and now I'm always grabbing for some nuts because, you know, I, I want to live a long time. That's the plan. 
Well, you Alex, know, you, your you, family you needs an, you, so. I know, I know. Alex, I gave you an assignment. Do we know what Pinocchio Day is? Actually, yes, because in 1940, on this day, Pinocchio's movie was released, and he asked the world, the boy. Is he a real boy? So, oh. you know, there you go. So as I sit here, I have two things next to my, um, right next to my desk. I have a picture of Luca, who I think is three years old, maybe two years old, and he's dressed as Pinocchio. And I remember we went trick-or-treating that year, and his mom was the angel, the fairy godmother, and I was Papa Geppetto. And I, my costume was so good as Papa Geppetto. We went trick-or-treating at my parents' house. And my, we, we rang the bell, and my mother did not know that it was me. And then right next to that is, I want to read it, is uh, a little, it's, it's like maybe two inches high. It's a little uh, figurine of Jiminy Cricket. And uh, it says, always let your conscience be your guide. Always let your conscience be your guide. And Jiminy Cricket is, um, he's Pinocchio's little buddy who has his conscience uh, who is Pinocchio's conscience? He's the one who tells him, you know, don't go off to uh, what never was no, what was he called? Not Never Neverland, but where they were going to go, and they turned into donkeys, and when he got stuck with Stromboli, and then he wound up in the well, and and you know, all you hear is Jiminy Cricket going, Pinocchio, 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 um, and you know, it's interesting. I started the show talking about. Um, Justice Scalia and and uh, Governor uh, Mario Cuomo and uh, um, Congresswoman Geraldine Ferraro being real role models in the Italian American community and really improving the Italian American images. But when I'm thinking of it now, probably the greatest Italian American image uh, in the world of Disney uh, is Pinocchio. Uh, it is the uh, the love between a father and son. Um, even though at the time the son is made of wood and the son proved himself to be brave and courageous. And I forget what the three words were that they, the, 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 what was she called? The blue fairy, I believe what she said. And apparently uncle Josh told me there's a new, there's two Pinocchios that are out now. There's a Tom Hanks version that I think wasn't that good. And there's another one out that's excellent. But if you look at that version of a movie, and you compare other movies um, of the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, there aren't really a lot of, I mean, even if you look at Moonlighting, they're smacking each other in the face, Saturday Night Fever, they're, they, obviously that's a bunch of guys who are uneducated. It's a great movie, don't get me wrong. But if you look at the, the, the imagery for people who aren't exposed to Italian folks back then, who live in Iowa, Wyoming, Utah. How about this? Ready for this, Alex? Ready. I was in Africa. I was in South Africa on a safari in 2005. And there's a an African man, and he's fishing. He's got no shirt, no pants. He's just wearing, like, like ripped-off shorts with, like, sandals on. And I start chatting him up. I want to see what life is like for him. And he says to me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And he, he said, but where's your family from? I said, oh, I'm from Sicily. And what do you think the first words that are out of his mouth were? Uh, what were they? Oh, so you're in the mafia. First, now I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of Africa. Guy is fishing for his dinner. And his imagery of an Italian-American or Sicilian-American is, oh, you're in the mafia. Not... 
Oh, Justice Scalia is on the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, uh, Mario Cuomo is, is the governor of the state of New York. Oh, Rudy Giuliani is the mayor of the city of New York. So I am glad it's Pinocchio Day. Uh, I am proud to uh, hopefully be being accepted to the Columbus Citizens Foundation. I hope I educated you guys a little bit about life in the law. Um, I will tell you that I get comments all the time. You know, I try to mix it up for you guys, not make this like a heavy legal show. So I throw on Lauren to talk about cars and I have David Burke talking about food and, and um, Carol all doing a little wellness Wednesday. But people are like, Arthur, when you do the law thing, like we love it. Like you suck us into your cases. So we did a lot of law today. Um, and Before we, we go, though, I know the ISIS trial has been delayed. I know you want to cover that for the last yes, minute. There, there was there was a an outburst. Basically, the jury is deciding whether to kill uh, whether this kid should be killed or be in life without parole. And that's the, th- that's the choices. So he's not going free. So it's, and he's not, there's never going to be a parole. So today the defendant's father was testifying and the father was hysterically crying about placidly, please save my son's life. I'm going back home to the, my home country. I think it's Uzbekistan. He's like, this is going to be the last time I see my son. He has children, but at least knowing he's alive and not dead, will be comforting to me. Uh, and then there was an outburst from the room. Uh, other people, compl- uh, people who died, their family, the judge, Judge Broderick, who's a very nice seasoned judge, cleared the courtroom. It was a disaster. But I'll tell you, folks, I'll end with this. If you see some of the conditions that guys like this are kept in, if, I, if that, I'm the father of that boy, it may not be the worst thing for him to lay on a gurney and have a needle put in his arm and him go to sleep. That's how horrendous some of these jails are. Ending on a high note here in the Itala Power Hour. I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm off to the Grand Central, and I'm going to see Uncle Uncle Geraldo. Thanks for a great show, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Wish- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.